Good morning. James chapter 4. Did you have a good weekend so far? Yeah? No? Maybe so? James chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. We've been going on a journey through the book of James, and we only have a few weeks left. And uh, if, you ha- if you don't know about the book of James, he is just brutally honest to some Jewish believers. And this is uh, what we believe is believers to be holy text, to be inspired word of God, this letter from James, who is the half-brother of Jesus. So here we are in James chapter 4. The first three chapters deal with really the doctrine of the faith. And then here in chapter 4, James gets real, okay? He just gets right down to the heart of the matter. You see, in this church, in this group of believers, there was some dissension. It wasn't a happy fellowship necessarily. It was dysfunctional fellowship Baptist church. It was, uh, they didn't have a warm and friendly vibe. They were fighting. And the reason they were fighting, because they were jealous of each other. You see, as believers, we should, we talked about last week, we should rejoice when other people do well. Shouldn't we? If a brother or sister has something great happen in their life, we should rejoice. Well, praise God. We shouldn't envy that or uh, look down upon them. That's ridiculous. That's what Satan wants us to think like. And that's not, as believers, we're different, right? We're different from the world and we should act like it. So here in James chapter 4, we want to talk about today walking with the king. Because essentially that's what James chapter 4 is, as I studied it, that's what I think it's about. And, and, or what, how not to walk with the king. And I think we can learn how to walk with the Lord by looking at this chapter. The chief end of man is what? To know God and to enjoy him forever. Okay, that's our purpose. That's why we are here, for his glory. And God wants to walk with us. Did you know that? That God wants to walk with you daily. He wants you to walk with him every day. Do you know that? That's why you exist for his glory, to have fellowship with him, to be a part of his plan. The reality is today, some people in here aren't walking with God. There's many days in my life when I'm not walking with the Lord. Take heart, you're at the right place, okay? God brought you here today. He brought everybody here Because he wants to communicate to you how much he loves you. How much he wants you to walk with him. You see, walking with God is exciting. It's adventurous. You better buckle up tight, right? You better hold on for dear life when you're following the Lord. If you haven't experienced that, that excitement of walking with the Lord and seeing him move every single week, then you need to try. You need to take a chance and trust the Lord a little bit. And walk out and see what God's going to do. So, here we are, James chapter 4. And today we're going to take it, um, we're going to read the first first four verses at the beginning. But really, we're going to work through it a few verses at a time, okay? Now, what I have noticed, especially growing up in Baptist church, that sometimes when people, when the pastors open up the Bible, all of a sudden people start yawning. Did you you notice this? It happens. And another time when people start yawning is when we say, okay, we're going to pray. And the same thing happens. It never fails. And that used to be me for a lot lot of days, especially getting up early, especially stayed up all night on Saturday night. 
then you're halfway asleep, and you'll, you'll notice it. People, when the pastor opens the Bible, people start dozing off. And so it's like if the Bible comes close to them, they do this. It happens. Now, don't look around, okay, because we're not supposed to be judgmental. But I want to encourage you, hey, if you're really that sleepy, just take a nap. Just relax. It's the Lord's day. If you need it that bad, I mean, we're free in Christ. Just, just rest, brother. And it's always the men, for the most part. Hey, you had a hard week, you had a hard week, right? Just take a load off. Kick off your shoes, you're in the right place. But, I, you know, as believers, we should open up our Bible on our lap, if you have one, or your smart device or whatever. And even if you don't have a Bible, you're in good shape because we're going to, I think we have it on the screen, maybe, maybe not. No? That's why you better bring your Bible. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. So you're covered, you're good. So we're going to read the first four verses. And so what I want us to do right now, to keep us from just getting so mundane, I'd like for us just to slow down and, and just breathe. And if you need to doze off, seriously, nobody's going to judge you. And if you hear me shout in the middle of the sermon, it's to wake you up. But right now, let's just take a moment just to close our eyes and just tell the Lord right now, right where you're at, say, Lord, will you speak to me through your word? God, would you open my eyes to see things that I cannot see? God, would you encourage my heart? Just say that to the Lord right now. Father, we do pray that you would speak. Father, we do pray that you would move. God, we do ask that you would break chains that are on our life. God, I pray that today will be the day of salvation for many people. Father, your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So God, I pray that your freedom would run down every row, every aisle today in this building. God, I pray that the children in the back right now in the preschool, Lord, that they would know that you are a God that can set people free. Lord, I pray that you would protect our church from the enemy. God, continue to do a great work. God, we're so humbled that you're here. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to ask you to stand in honor of reading God's word, the first four verses. So James is getting at the heart of the matter, okay? Verse 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You may be seated. There's a few different truths I'd like to share with you. The first one being, you can't walk with the king and desire evil things. It just doesn't work. 
You can't walk with the king and desire evil things. You know, we try to make that work, but it doesn't work. That's not right. It's not good. There in verse 1, you see that your passions are at war within you. And then at the end of verse 3, because you ask only to spend it on your passions. You see, there's a problem many times in the church and the world that we have these passions that are wrong. The, the Greek word is hedone. It's where we get our word, hed, from, uh, the word hedonist or hedonism is from this word. Hedonism is basically the pursuit, the belief, the theory, the religion that says that the purpose of life is to pursue pleasure. That's the false gospel in America today. There's people today in this church sitting in these chairs, many people, that you really do, if you were to be really honest and you knew you wouldn't get in trouble and somebody asked you, what is the purpose of life? There'd probably be people in here that says, to be happy, to pursue pleasures. And friend, I want to tell you right now, that is heresy It's a false gospel. It's not true. It's not true. It doesn't matter if your mom, your grandma, your great uncle Claudel told you that. It's not true. And it's a lie. And it's invading our church. Because we think when we come here, it's all about us and how we feel and what we like. And it's not. It's about the king of all kings. That's who it's about. That's who our church is going to continue to be about. James is talking about this head and a, these, this problem. It's these passions, that's the source of all of the disarray that's happening in these believers' lives. Their cravings, their evil pleasures. Now, there's desires that are good and right. Amen? It's a good thing to go fishing. Seriously. It's a good thing to enjoy what God has made. It's a good thing. Uh, marriage is a good thing. Marriage is vastly underrated, I believe. Now, the wedding day, that may be a little overrated. I mean, at least our reception stressed me out. I'm still nervous thinking about it. Some people want more than one picture. It's not like there's more people that came also. Don't be that person at the wedding, please. Doesn't really affect me. I'm not getting married again, so anyways. But there's good desires and there's bad desires. And we like to pawn our bad desires. We like to justify them, don't we? Well, you know, that's okay. We, we like to say that, that it's, everybody else has bad desires and we have good desires. In James chapter 1, we, discovered, we discussed this a few weeks ago. Verse 14, it says, Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his, own, his or her own desire. Well, the devil made me do it. Really? No. Especially if you're a believer, the enemy has no power over your life. Well, I was with the wrong crowd. Friend, you are accountable for your own sins. You know, the Great Depression hit late 20s during the 30s in America. And those were hard days. Most of us were not there. Some of us were. And that was a tough time in our country, right? 
It is almost like a scar that still exists to this day. People were literally starving to death by the thousands upon thousands. It devastated our nation. And so people that lived through that were determined that their children would never face that ever again. They said, we're going to work so hard, we're going to take every precaution that that never, ever happens. That their children would have a better life. Well, then their children grew up. And they decided, you know what? We want our kids to have it better than we had it. Have a better life. Not have to work out in the sun too long. And what happened sometime or another? The better life has grabbed our nation around the throat and it's killing us. And we're soft. And the church has become soft. We have preachers selling books called, titled Your Best Life Now. Allison and I were doing a thing on relationships at the BCM or BSU at the University of Mississippi. And this young lady comes up to me afterwards and she said, you remind me so much of my pastor. I said, really, what's your pastor's name? She told me, large church in Texas, in Houston. They meet where the Houston Rockets used to play basketball. And she said, I said, that, you know, person... And she said, yeah, you remind me so much of him. Now, I was devastated because I thought, did me and Allison, did we teach any of the Bible? Like, I started checking my notes. I'm like, did we talk to him about the Lord? And did we, did we share enough scripture? I was paranoid. I thought, do I smile a lot? Maybe that's it. But friends, this life's not about us. It's not about us finding our pleasure. The best life is the Christ life, the Christ-filled life. Not the pleasure-seeking therapeutic deism that's being preached all across America. That's not it. That's a false gospel. Peace is brought upon a life that is desiring the right things. Next, let's see in verse 4. Well, the, the next point. I'll give you the truth and then we'll look at the scripture. The next truth is you can't walk with the king and hold on to this world. You can't do it. You can't walk with the king and hold on to this world. Look at verse 4. You adulterous people. We just read verse 4. Let's continue. Do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says... He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Wow. You mean we're not supposed to love people in the world? Yes, we should love people in the world. James is talking about, when he uses that word world, he's not talking about actual people. He's talking about the rebellious nature of the world, the toxic culture that totally rejects Jesus as Lord. And you know what I'm talking about, right? When someone hates the cross or someone hates uh, anything about Christmas, you know, that's what I'm talking about. 
the rebellious nature that says, I hate the Lord. I don't want to submit to any authority in my life. That's what James is talking about. He's saying you can't, you can't uh, impress everybody in the world and follow Jesus. You just can't do it. It's impossible. Aren't you glad we don't have to? Be set free from that this morning if you're trying to impress people or anybody in the world. You know, when that Terminex man comes to your house to spray for bugs, it doesn't matter what he thinks about your house. Be set free. Talk to him about Jesus. Invite him to your church. Talk to him about the termite system we, problem we have over here on the side. And then James says basically that we have not because we ask not with pure motives. And then basically James reminds us that God yearns for our spirit to worship him. He's jealous for our soul. That word spirit, it's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the human spirit. That, that the thing inside of us that was created to worship him, that's what God desires. He desires that we worship him in spirit and in truth. Then he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know, God, one of the things he hates, this detestable to him is pride. It destroys us. I personally believe that's what's holding back our churches. Pride and sexual sin, primarily among the men. Holding back our churches. It's in us. It's like we feel like we have to impress people all the time. Humility, Rick Warren says, is not, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking about yourself less often. That's humility. Humility is having a right view of who God is and who you are. C.J. Mahaney says, Pride takes many forms, but has only one end, self-glorification. That's the motive and ultimate purpose of pride, to rob God of legitimate glory and to pursue self-glorification, conceding with his supremacy with him. The proud person seeks to glorify himself and not God, therefore attempting in effect to deprive God of something only he is worthy to receive. No wonder God opposes pride. No wonder he hates it. That's so true. The Lord, you, you can't walk with God and boast about yourself. It doesn't work out that way. The disciples, whenever they first came to know the Lord, they were, they were humbled. Isaiah saw the glimpse of the Lord and his glory, and he said, Woe is me, for my lips are unclean. So you can't strut, strut down the street walking with the Lord. But you can't hold your head high knowing that your identity is in Christ. Your confidence is in Christ and your victory is in the Lord. Then the next, uh, by the way, I didn't mention this, but the how-to of repentance is really there in verse 7 all the way through 10. Look at it. We already read verse, well, let's start in verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Friend, you might need to write that verse down. When the enemy comes after you, when you are enticed, when you are tempted, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Write that verse down on a note card. Put it in your dashboard, not in front of the speed, speedometer. We don't want you to get a ticket and then blame your pastor. Ladies, write it in lipstick on your mirror. 
Whatever you need to do, jot that verse down. It's a good one. So it's really a how-to of repentance. So today, hey, if you need to repent, you're right with the Lord, guess what? There's a how-to of repentance in verse 7 through 10. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. James is ruthlessly honest. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. You say, why is James telling us to to weep and to cry because of our sin? James is saying, hey, if you want to be right with God, if you want to draw close to have your relationship restored, you need to repent. The word repent means to turn away from. It means you you don't just say, Lord, I'm sorry for this sin and just continue on daily. That's That's not repentance. That's just lip service to God to make you feel better about your guilt. Now, that's not to say we don't still struggle with things daily. It's a daily battle, especially that sin. You know, you may have that sin or those two or three sins. It's just you struggle with more than other things. And we all have a different set of cards we're dealt, right? But we can live in victory daily over whatever. God always gives us a way out. He always gives his children a way out from sin. Next truth, get it from verse 7. You can't walk with the king and hang out with the devil. You can't walk with the king and hang out with the devil. It just doesn't work. You can try. Anybody try to do that? Try to, you try to maintain your same schedule before you, you know, before you came to know Christ, and after you came to know Christ, you try to maintain your same exact schedule and lifestyle? doesn't work, does it? You're miserable. Now, I do believe with all my heart that Christians need to be outside of our bubble a little more. We need to rub shoulders with lost people. If not, how are they going to hear about the Lord? But at the same time, if you struggle with uh, smoking stuff, for example, you probably shouldn't hang out at a house where they're always smoking stuff. Like, don't, don't put yourself in that position. My wife has a good illustration. She always says, if there's a cliff and you know that you struggle with something and the cliff is here, stay far from it, okay? If you flirt with that cliff and the wind blows, you can fall off, right? You may say, well, I would never struggle with certain things. Well, take heed lest you fall, right? We're all one step away from stupid, And it can happen to you too. So stay far from that cliff. Stay. Why take a chance? If God loves you and Jesus died for you, and the purpose of your life is to glorify Him, why take a chance? Why? Why even get close to it? You say, "Well, that means I'd have to give up my R-rated movies." Exactly. Nothing in this world can satisfy you and me like Jesus. You may say, well, I don't have any Christian friends. That is a legitimate concern for a lot of people in this room. I guarantee it. I don't want to hang out. People that I want to hang out with, they don't, they're not like me. They don't think like me. I want to encourage you. If that's you today, you need to say this simple prayer. 
God, will you bring a new friend into my life that loves you? That's a simple prayer. I dare you to pray that if you really want more Christian friends. So God, would you put somebody in my life? I learned a long time ago that you can compare friends like candy bars, okay? There are Snickers and there are Twix. Now, if you absolutely love Twix, this is not going to work for you. (laughs) So you can just swap it around, okay? So for me, Twix is good. It's got chocolate and caramel. It's really good, but it's not a Snickers to me. Now, if you like Twix more than Snickers, just swap it around. And God calls us to hang out with Twix, okay? He does. He calls us to love people and to be around people that we might not see eye to eye. And he calls us to be Christ those people, does he not? But once a month or once a week, sometime, you need to hang out with the Snickers. Now, a Twix is somebody you hang out with, you're like, you know, that was good. But a Snickers in your life... There's nothing like it. I mean, a Snickers in your life is just a source of encouragement. They don't necessarily talk the whole time about their life, but they actually listen to you and care about you and encourage you. And we all need a few Snickers in our life. But never, but you have to remember, don't just always hang out with Snickers. Because it's very easy to have a little group of friends And just be satisfied with that. And live down here in Bay St. Louis and, you know, man, life's good. We get a Japanese restaurant, you know, moving on up. Like, life is great. I love my church. I love love everything. It is so easy to get so content and to forget that there is a lost world out there. Bay St. Louis is lost. Diamond Head is lost. Past Christiane, lost. The Gulf Coast, totally lost. The vast majority of people are not walking with the Lord. And it breaks God's heart. And Jesus died for them, and he's sending us to go tell them. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. You can't walk with the king and hang out with the devil. You may say, well, I'm really not that much of a sinner anymore. Well, I've got a few verses for you. Psalm 14, verse 1 says, no one who do- there's no one that does good. Psalm 53, verse 1 says, no one, there's no one that does good. Psalm 143, verse 2 says, There is no man living that is righteous. And by the way, no means no. Romans 3.11, famous verse, we've heard it a lot of times. No one who understands. There's none who seek the Lord. There's no one that seeks God. Satan wants you to think that you're not a sinner anymore. Now, does our sin define us? No. Are we set free from our sin, past, present, and future? Absolutely. Have we been forgiven for our past, present, and future? Absolutely. We are set free, redeemed, born again, adopted son and daughter of the King of Kings. But we still have that old flesh that daily we have to crucify. Daily we have to die to ourselves and let Christ live. And so you're deceived if you say, well, I don't struggle anymore. Be careful. Satan wants you to think like that. First John 1, verse 8. Listen to this verse carefully. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, 
and the truth is not in us. That was written by the Apostle John, by the way. And he was saying, after he came to know Christ, that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Wow. Next truth I want us to see, verses 8 through 12, is that you can't walk with the king and be a judge. Can't do it. You can't walk with a king and be a judge. Look at verse 8. Well, I'm sorry. Verse 11. Verse 11 and 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, and it ain't you. No, there's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So if your last name does not end with Christ, you're not the judge, and you don't have to be. Mark that off your to-do list tomorrow. When you make your to-do list and put it on your fridge, mark that one off. You don't have to do it. Take that responsibility off of your shoulders. James says, and by the way, God says through James, do not speak evil against your brothers. Don't do it. He doesn't suggest it. He commands it. He expects it. Don't do it. You can't be a Christian and not be a nice person. It doesn't work out. You can't walk with the Lord and be a jerk. You just can't do it. That does not make sense. Being a mean person is not a fruit of the Spirit. Quick story and then we'll follow. I served as a student pastor at a church for a long time. And uh, there was a, a young man that sat on the second row and he had never been to our church before, okay? Seventh grader and he was drinking a Dr. Pepper in the sanctuary. And after the service, this man came up to me, and he was really rude and ugly and got all up in my personal space right here. And he pointed his finger in my face. He said, you see that young man right there? He is drinking that Dr. Pepper. And by the way, this man was being a judge. And he said, if that was me, my dad would whoop my rear end. Now, he used some language that was a little more colorful than that. And I was so mad I thought, okay, I got died of my flesh. God, give me the words. And I said these words. I promise you, I didn't say them. The Lord said them. I said, well, if my dad heard you talk like that in the church house, he would whoop yours. <laughs> and here's the point. That man was being a judge. We, daily we have to decide if we're going to judge or if we're going to help people. And that man, what an opportunity would that have been to a young, little, uh, a seventh grade little boy that did not grow up in a church. His mom and dad never took him to church. He didn't even know anything about the Bible. He, he, his first experience in a church, he needed that man in his life. He needed that man to go to him. Hey, young man, where are you from? What's your name? And, and by the way, it might not be a good idea to drink Dr. Pepper on the second row. But daily, weekly, we have a choice to make. We can choose to be the judge, or we can be problem solved. We can help people. We can push people towards Christ. If you're a believer, just be nice to people. It's not rocket science. 
Next truth and the final truth. You can't walk with the king and not do the right thing. You can't walk with the king and not do the right thing. Look at verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. You can't walk with the king and not do the right thing. And what is the right thing? Well, to love all people, to be fair and honest, to share the gospel, to actually open up our mouth and talk to people about the Lord. With God's help, we can't do it in our own strength. You can try. To live on mission daily, to, to decide, you know what, daily I'm going to be on mission. When you leave out of these doors, you're entering your mission field. That's the right thing to do. To seek to help take the gospel to the nations. That's the right thing to do. We've been commissioned, commanded to do that. To love and honor your spouse at all times, no matter what, no matter the circumstance, no matter if they're loving you back, that's what the gospel is, is loving someone on days that they do not deserve it. The right thing to do is to be a faithful church member, to follow the Lord whenever and wherever, no matter the circumstances. That's the right thing to do. And then daily, we have opportunity to do what's right or to do what we think is best. And I just want to be honest. God's called us to reach people, and we need to do whatever it takes to reach them. Even if it makes us feel a little uncomfortable. There's a lot of things that make me feel uncomfortable, and I'm sure you could say the same. But we are going to be accountable. What did you do to reach Bay St. Louis, what did you do to reach Diamond Head? What did you do to reach all those people in Waveland? The past. Your friends at work. It's so easy to get frustrated with people in our culture. Somebody honked the other day at me, and I was so mad because I didn't do anything wrong that I know of. It's so mad to get, it's so mad. It's so easy to get upset with people. Maybe in the workplace or on the highway or, you know, at McDonald's. People act crazy. If you want to see it, just go to Walmart at 1130 at night in Waveland. It's hilarious. Sometimes I just go for fun. I'm not joking. That's a mission field. God's in there. It might not look like it, but the Lord's in there doing stuff. God's called us to be obedient. So the problem is our evil desires, the first part of James chapter 4, and the solution that he gives, basically, is active faith. So the solution is having faith, active faith, a genuine faith. Faith that says that God words, God's word says blank. So, blank. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the preacher says, what the Sunday school teacher says, What matters is what does God's word say? Right is right and wrong is wrong. 
And he is the righteous, holy judge. Aren't you glad that he's a fair judge? Now, part of that terrifies people in this room because you know you're guilty. Friend, I want to tell you, even though you're guilty, this judge that we're talking about has a grace and a mercy that's unfathomable. You, you, you can't comprehend how deep his mercy is and how, how deep the oceans of grace are that Jesus purchased. And he purchased those on the cross. Jesus gave his perfect life for you. He came to be a substitute for your sin and my sin. And today he's calling many people here to repent and come home, come back home. Will you do that today? Will you repent of a lifestyle filled with sin and reach out for the Lord? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The Lord is speaking. He's doing stuff. He's here. He's in the house. You better believe it. How will you respond? The book of James was so, it's good and bad. It's so brutally honest and it will hit us right between the eyes. How will you respond? If you need to repent today, go back to verses 7 through 10 and you follow that protocol right there. Be broken over your sin. Come confess. Come just as you are. And you know what? The Lord, he'll clean you up. He'll take you back home. He'll take your sin and remove them as far as the east is to the west. Would you come home today? Would you be set free? You may say, well, I've been coming to this church a long time, and if I walk down the aisle and it gets saved, people are going to think bad about me. Hey, it's not going to matter what people think about you 100 years from now. All that's going to matter is what the Lord thinks about you. And today, he wants you to come home. He wants you to get right. He wants you to get clean. He wants to set you free to start a new journey, to be born again. You say, well, I don't know anybody in this church. What are they going to think about? Who cares? Who cares? If people here that love the Lord, they're going to rejoice. They're going to say, hey, me too, brother. That was me. The Lord set me free too. Now we're brother, sister. Amen. Let's sing about the good, good father. Hey, I get that now. Come join me. Let me you know what? You don't know how to sing? Let me teach you how to sing. Oh, I can't sing. Let me go find a choir member. They can help you sing. Friend, we can help you learn how to walk with God. And we don't have it figured out. But there's a lot of godly people in this church that would love to help teach you what it means to walk with the king of kings. You respond as God leads. Let's pray.